to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 10, Episode 8, which is titled Freefall. The episode aired on November 20th, 2003. Lauren, what was going that week 20 years ago? Well, let's start off with the most important news. Young Daniel turned 14 this week. That's very exciting. So reminder for folks at home, young Lauren turned 11, Daniel turned 14, and Lizzie will have turned 15. So, again, I am debating. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a role-playing game that is widely considered to be one of the best video games of all time, debuts on Microsoft's Xbox console. The game follows a customizable, Force-sensitive protagonist, Lizzie, you just spewed these onto the page, with amnesia as they journey the galaxy, unlocking memories and reawakening Jedi powers within themselves along the way. The game has been ported to other systems several times and can currently be played on the PC, Nintendo Switch, the best way according to Lizzie, Xbox Series X and S, and mobile devices. At some point, they're just making these up. Um, Uh, No, well, I I say Nintendo Switch because it's the most, it's it's without doing anything to the game, like mods or anything like mm -hmm. that on the PC. It's the the highest frame, the smoothest, it's the highest frame rate and the highest resolution you can play. Just say smoothest. People uh, people who listen to this don't care about games like we do, sweetie. Just say smoothest. Uh, Play this game. in, In better, in more important news overall, in a landmark win for gay rights, the Supreme Court of Massachusetts ruled that the state's ban on same-sex marriages is unconstitutional, paving the way for the first same-sex marriages in the state in 2004. And guys, I keep forgetting we lived this history. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, it it keeps fucking me up. I'm like, like, yeah, it just keeps throwing me off as a young queer. Um... But then Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, the drama epic set during the Napoleonic Wars and starring Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany, debuts and narrowly beats out Elf for the top box office spot. By like $500,000. Uh, so I'm sure, isn't isn't the meme that Jake loves this movie yes. or something like that? Oh no, the, the it, meme. It wouldn't surprise me. The meme that I think of is the Russell Crowe doing the, the hand oh, to the, the window the, thing. Oh the, yeah, just the. Yeah. What uh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and I have I have one more after our music one that's just for for one person. But Baby Boy by Beyonce featuring Sean Paul is still your number one song. And this week, currently, uh, I learned a new Britishism thanks to one of our followers and binging Call the Midwife. And I've been I've learned that the English colloquialism that I can use instead of just peachy is just tickety boo. And y'all are going to hear that nonstop because it's too fun to say. Daniel's eyes are bleeding just looking at me as... For everybody who's not in the joy of this call right now, I have sunglasses on because your girl's disability is disabling today. So Daniel and Lizzie have to look at me weekend at Bernieing this whole episode. So just as I say, tickety-boo, picture me with my Ray-Ban sunglasses and enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Daniel, what else was on? Nice. At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Late Thanksgiving. At 8.30, a Friends rerun. At 9, Will and Grace with the episode Swimming from Cambodia. Uh, and at nine uh, 9.30, Scrubs with My 15 Seconds. This week's episode had 23.4 million viewers tuning in, directed by Chris Chulock, doing his 24th out of 43. Uh, previous ones of his include Dear Abby and The Lost from this season. Uh, and written by Joe Sachs, doing his 18th out of 35. Last time we saw him was late season nine with The Advocates. 
Uh, and a few housekeeping notes before we jump into the episode proper. We got no Chen joining us this week. Chen, what a week to get off! Like what a what what a hell of a week to to take PTO. Uh, this episode won an Emmy for outstanding single camera picture editing for a drama series, which is a hell of a mouthful there. Uh, but much more hilariously, it was nominated for, but but did not win oh. a, an Emmy for outstanding visual effects in a television series. Oh, oh no! Which was that really just like a pity like it, nomination. It really, I think it just really paints a very dire picture of what the uh, CGI landscape was like in 2003, that this was in consideration for some of the best visual effects in the, which, you know, we, we all lived through 2003. We all remember what it was like. Like there was definitely a lot of ropey CGI floating around around that time. This is still so weird to me because I just put on Jurassic Park as a comfort movie yesterday and that shit somehow 10 years earlier still looks better than the shit they're pulling on ER. Yeah, but the bulk of that isn't CGI though. That's why that looks so good now is because the bulk mm-hmm. of it isn't but like, like the Brontosaurus in the beginning. Yeah. There's definitely yeah, no, I mean there are definitely things in there that are CGI, but still so much of the stuff that is you remember from yeah. that movie is practical. It was the perfect blend of the two. Fair. Yeah. And uh one personal housekeeping note for me um unfortunately uh my mom who shared this series with me that to start with and we would watch all the time on thursday nights when it was originally airing uh she unfortunately and suddenly passed away uh, a couple weeks ago and as of what december 1st december 2nd december 1st yeah the day the day after the day after her 73rd birthday so she had fallen and there was surgery involved and then surgery complications and it was one thing after another but uh unfortunately she is no longer with us so i'd like to just just hug your moms if you're if you have a good relationship with them and they're still around just tell them you love them this ab this absolute freak of an episode goes out to you linda yeah we love you mom all right Uh... Uh, god damn it linda (laughs) We, be, we say that lovingly because the whole thing's ridiculous. Um, uh. Our previously on this this week is this week for, and for the last time is brought to us by Romano. Let's open up with some audio. We got Abby running a trauma. Let's see how that what goes down there. Sinus type one thirty. BP's up two twenty over one forty. Come on, he's gonna blow an O ring. Let's try night pride. Oh, what? How did the paramedics miss this? Cocaine. Could be. Okay, hold the nipride. He needs a beta blocker, 5 of metoprolol, IV push. Heart rate's up to 114. Metoprolol's in. He's seizing. Okay, two of Ativan. Okay, Abby, what are the physiological effects of cocaine? It's a sympathetic stimulant. Alpha or beta? Both. VTAC, starting compressions. Uh, charge to 200. Check for pulse with compressions. Clear. VFib. Charge to 300. Ambivepi. Beta blocker made him worse. Clear. No change. 360. Maybe he's allergic. I doubt it. By blocking beta, you've left alpha unopposed. His BP's going through the roof and he's bleeding in his brain. Clear. Asystole. Ambivatrophy. Okay, what should she give? Pentolamine and Esmolol. Gold dot for your forehead. I've seen beta blockers work before. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. You have nursing experience, which means that you can handle 90% of the patients. Unfortunately, it also means you might kill the other 10%. He's not dead yet. Another empathy. Oh, forget it. That's it. Stop compressions.
Just another dead junkie. Congratulations, Abby. You managed to kill the practice dummy. Okay, reset for the next student. It's such a good reveal at the end. It's so good. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent <laughs> and, reveal. And, and I know we've said this before, especially in recent times, as the show has started to change and evolve over the years. But like, and not so much as a cold open, but just as kind of a scene in un- an episode. Uh, this, ha- this is the most housey that Romano has ever felt. Yeah, like, I kind of, I kind of get it. Like the 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 thing where he's he's hanging back and he's just like giving kind of sort of quippy guidance where mm-hmm. he's like, no, you've done this wrong, and then now, but because you did this, now this is happening. Like it feel it felt to me very Hugh Laurie House ish, where like he's he's just kind of this sardonic asshole who stands in the background and watches chaos unfold. And I don't know, like I, I no no, I know I sound like a broken record at this point from the last season and a half basically, but it's just it does feel like we're losing with other characters. It has felt like their time had come and that mm-hmm. like we, there was very little to do with the character. And there was so, you know, like it felt like just kind of a natural progression. Whereas with Romano, I've felt like we're, we've been seeing and hearing some of his best work over the last half of a season as we, you know, head towards his inevitable demise it really does feel like we're losing something much much bigger than what we realized at the time. Yep. I just love the fake out. It's my favorite. It's, it's a great also, fake out. It's horrifying when he says, all right, set it for the next student and the eyes open back up. Yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why is that a thing that's necessary? Let's not and say we didn't. Um, also, the fact that we've never seen them use this training dummy before ever, like, it's fine. Great, new technology, whatever. But I was just like, oh, that's neat. I'm glad they hadn't wasted that doing it a bunch mm-hmm. of times. But also the absolutely problematic uh, gold dot on your on your forehead for your friend. I mean, you gotta just... you gotta get some mi- right. you gotta get some minor racism in there. I know. Get get them in there. Also, did you guys appreciate the fact that this was uh, Sam, Abby, and Neela, like kind of our our trio of female leads moving forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh. I, is... I don't think that's by accident, really. I no. Mean, I, think that, I think that they're definitely grooming the audience for, like, that this is the new, yeah, the new at least top tier, you know? Like, I definitely think there is a, there is a concerted effort, which it feels weird to say in this episode because she does get such kind of, like, heavy, heavy usage, but, like, I feel like they don't trust Susan as a top tier right. character at this point, and so, like, I do feel like they are sort of prepping everybody for, like... No, Sam, Neela, and Abby are your, like, main lead trio to follow along with. Yep. And then we are in with some bangs, and we are... My favorite through-line patient today is uh, Luca leaves a gentleman named Mr. Garland in the hall to wait for antibiotics because there's a bad MVA coming in, so they can't use trauma or any of the other beds. And this gentleman, I believe it's pneumonia. So uh, Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Garland's just going to chill and be a fly on the wall for all this episode. And this poor man, just this poor guy, all he wanted was some meds. That's it. And Daniel. Uh, he has one of my favorite, uh, Oh, Hey, it's that guy names of an actor. I think we've had in a long <laughs> time. <laughs> Mr. Garland is played by actor rain or shine, <laughs> which I cannot ha. imagine. I ha. cannot imagine is his ha. God-given name, and if it is, what a practical joke! So it's parents. even funnier because my head was reading it as Raynor Sh- Shiny, 
or something. So yeah. it was like I was or like Sheen or something. Sheen like or that. something like that. So when you said rain or shine, that just made my day. So thank you. Rain or shine. Uh, and he has appeared in stuff like My Cousin Vinny, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and The Rookie. And uh, we go over to Luca and Abby talking about Romano giving her shit and about her killing the dummy. And he goes, no, it's just going to take time. You'll you'll get there. Just whatever. And uh, Frank is complaining about the Thanksgiving decorations not being up, put up by the night shift. And we learn he's handling the potluck. So that'll be interesting. There's some really great shots of food coming here in a bit. And uh, Sam has left Alex at home until 3, and then she's really excited to get to cook him an actual dinner for Thanksgiving. Guys, this is Chekhov's dinner. Because we hear about it, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> and uh, Neela gr- goes to grab a coffee from, like, the little coffee holder, and it's like, oh no, you didn't pay for these, this is part of the coffee club. And she's like, oh, well, how much is it to join? Like, earnestly being like, hey, whatever, and is it... Lily or Sam or Chu? I can't remember because all the nurses grab stuff. But which one is it that says it's a nurses club? I think it's Abby it's because Nat because she's confused by why Abby gets uh, to have some, but she doesn't. And then Abby kind of shrugs and she's like, "It's a nurses club." Yeah, I felt like it was a little like it seemed a little bit more clicky than that when I watched it. But I don't know the way they say it. It's just kind of oh yeah, no. It's it's definitely that like uh, Abby feels guilty for like getting to benefit from it but neela can't so she kind of is just like i don't know it's a nurses club like oh i meant i meant the way the other girls do it but oh yeah the other the other girls definitely it is yeah but yeah and then um we see susan handing out charts to the students to get the day going um and then pratt's complained to frank about leaving the parade on instead of the game and that's like frank's like oh it doesn't start till 12 30 that's usually eastern time folks is when the thanksgiving games usually start football games it's 1130 Central. Come on. Come on, writers. Cent- you're, you're Central East Coast time bias. Is, Central time is best time zone. Come on. Coastal, yeah. li- I, coastal I, liberal I, elites right in this episode. No, I got to say, now that I've been here so long, being on Eastern last week killed me. Guys, Central's so much better. <laughs> and I, hey, we both get to go do it again next week. So. He's also, Pratt's also yelling at Morris for picking up a chart and skipping past bloody diarrhea for eye pain. And then Frank distracts everyone and uses the disposable camera that's left in the box from last year, which still had a few shots left on it. So Morris scampers away while he has the chance to go do a medicine, in theory. Which the uh, the whole disposable camera bit, like, it, it, I mean, it leads to a nice, you know, sort of poignant moment towards the end of the episode, but I really thought it was going to be a much more of a like oh kind of thing than it really ends up you know, i'm glad being. i'm glad they don't lean on it too much yeah like it's 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 a nice little breadcrumb anyway uh but we then go over we see abby working on a, a vaginal bleeding patient who's also pregnant uh we find out that her fiance is driving up from iowa city uh we don't get a name on this patient yet and i think we it's like very brief when we do get her name later it's, in the episode you know what it is it's lauren there you go. The worst Netflix. spelling of Lauren ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, Lauren here is played by actress uh, Amy Pites, Pietz. Sure. Pietz. Uh, and she had appears uh, appearances in stuff like uh, Star Trek Next Generation, Jingle All the Way, and the TV series Caroline in the City. Uh, so we'll see more of her throughout the episode. Uh, we then see Lily uh, telling Abby that there have been three sick calls uh, for the holidays. 
uh, and alludes to uh, Abby taking on an extra shift that night. So Abby's working during the day as a you know med student doing her rotation, and now Lily's trying to get her to take a night shift as a nurse. Mm, Dick move, Lily. Dick right. move. Even even dicker move by Susan for mm-hmm. like kind of guilt tripping Abby into doing it. Says take one for the team. Hasn't Abby taken enough for this team? Right. Come on, man. Uh, we then see I mean, Morris. She had, be, she had to be with Carter for for over a year. That's that's, that's, that's the ultimate sacrifice. That is the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Morris is working on a guy with glaucoma who pulls weed from his front pocket. That'll be important in a little bit. Uh, but he gets called away quickly to go work on the incoming MVA case. And Lauren. Whose films are those? This was the only spot I could find to throw it in this episode. It's a, it's a hectic episode. That's to be expected. Uh, we see Lizzie and Pratt helping him work on this trauma. Uh, Morris is very uh, kind of nervous and eager to get away. He says he needs to get back to his, air quotes, glaucoma patient. Uh, Got to check the eye pressures. <laughs> I love this line here from, uh, I believe it's Lizzie yeah. to Pratt. And she says, is he squeamish? And Pratt replies, no, just stupid. Which, as the owner of a very stupid cat, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> we use this phrase in my home quite a lot. Is he okay? No, yeah, he's just stupid. He's <laughs> just stupid. Ugh, so good. Uh, we... Uh, go over to Abby, who needs a chaperone to do a pelvic exam. Uh, Neela offers to help, but Abby says no thanks. Uh, and we're still checking in with Mr. Garland, uh, who's uh, still hanging out in the hall for a while before they can get him transported upstairs. And Frank brags about the turducken that he brought to the potluck, which, which is looks just, fucking disgusting. Just conceptually, it's pretty disgusting, honestly. Like, but shout out to John Madden for for his contribution to American society, both both in terms of like shitty football games and uh, horrifying Thanksgiving cuisine. Uh, Which I've always been morbidly curious to try. Oh yeah, I think there's. Like, def- I like all of these things. Yeah, I like turkey. I like chicken. I like duck. It's the same sort of curiosity that leads people to like lick batteries when they're kids. You know, like it's like yeah. I, you know, I kind of, I know this is bad for me, and I know this isn't going to end well, but I kind of want to ride the lightning for a second just proud, to see how it feels. Proud to say, I never licked a battery. Maybe you should try it. You know, nope. maybe you wouldn't mm. need to wear sunglasses at night. No, just go get uh, one of those uh, charged lemonades from Panera. That'll do wonders for your system, right, Lauren? Yeah. It'll be fine. Four, almost 400 milligrams of caffeine in a large. That'll be fine. Ride the lightning. <laughs> You're riding something. Uh, Abby's doing a pelvic on the woman, on that woman, Lauren. Yes. Right? Yep. Okay. Uh, woman is having cramps and heavier bleeding than expected, and unfortunately, the woman's cervix is open, which means she cannot maintain a pregnancy. So, and right after delivering that news, Lauren passes out, and Abby calls the desk for backup. But only Frank—it's uh, only Frank in the food. So, guess you guess you get some turducken in there to help you. Just use the turducken to plug the bleeders. <laughs> <laughs> Not the whole thing, just like one of the like the leg portions of it. Oh man, not the not the whole not the ducking, just the turd. Like just. <laughs> I think I killed Lauren. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, uh, give me a minute. Well, good thing. Good thing is Lauren, you're never gonna be pregnant, so. 
Right. That's or, eat, or eat turducken. You're covered on both ends. Yeah. It's just I've been watching so much Call the Midwife. So when you That's said, your own problem. Just, no, 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 no. But so when Lindsay said, oh, just use a turducken to fix it, I'm just picturing them on there like all serious, and it just it killed me. Uh, but Pratt and Lizzie are working on Mr. Westbrook, the NBA gentleman who came in who was hit by a tow truck. This guy's a royal asshole. Absolute, like, I think he's something like the number one real estate agent in Chicago. Uh, developer, call- I believe. Something like that. Uh, he's calling his lawyer, and Pratt rips the phone from his hand because he's like, hey, you, you can't use that in here. We're, like, it's going to fuck with everything. Just chill out. Uh, Romano runs in to absolutely shove his lips up this man's ass as far as they will go, just kissing ass and being like, hey, uh, what can we do for you? Yeah, I spoke to our... Uh, director or whatever and yeah he's blah, blah, blah. you guys went to school together it's great we'll do what went we can for you yeah Which i'm still and, convinced is a scam uh, for rich people and then uh mr westbrook complains about pratt and how like some of your doctors need help with their customer service and uh romano grabs pratt to scold him about how he treated this gen what daniel no just it <laughs> just it that. reminds me of it reminds me of when nurse jen was working regularly in a hospital mm-hmm. and like she would get so fucking irritated at the uh, the patients as customers distinction. Like that shit would drive her insane. She's like, these people are not customers; they are patients. Like they're they here for here. a service. They're they're not even here for a service. They're here not to die. Like yeah. they're not here. This is not about customers. It's not about your level of service or your level. Like this is not Kmart. This is not Target. Like you are. You're here's we're you're here to get your bleeding stopped. Like you're not here to, you know, be hate to be waited on hand and foot, you know. Yep. But yeah, so Romano grabs Pratt and scolds him about how he treated this guy and kicks him off the case and he just tells Pratt, like, no, you no longer work here. You just pissed me off for the last time. Okay. He doesn't say he doesn't work here, he's saying, Oh, we're no. gonna have a talk tonight. No, but... he says you no longer work here. Later, he says, we'll have the talk. But right here, yeah, he says, you no longer work here. Yeah. And, and uh, this is the first time we get a real good look at Mr. Westbrook. He was kind of shrouded when they brought him in earlier. But uh, he is played by actor Michael Gregory, who appeared in stuff like General Hospital, uh, RoboCop, along with uh, Mr. Paul McCrane, uh, and did a voice in uh, Cyberpunk 2077. So I'm sure that means something to Lizzie. Uh, but... I guess. I don't know. But then we go over to uh, Sam and Abby are working on Lauren, and they got her some fluids to, to help up her blood volume after the blood loss. Um, and Abby mentioned, Abby mentions, like, oh, you had some remaining tissue, and we just did a, we'll just do a DNC to get the bleeding under control. And Luca pulls her aside afterwards, and it turns out Lauren had fibroids, not retained tissue, and he tells Abby that she needs to be careful what she says, because... There isn't, there wasn't a definitive answer, and this woman's not going to get a DNC, aka an abortion. She's going to have to go in for a more in-depth surgery. So mm-hmm. Abby just set her up with false expectations. Um, and then Pratt and Romano are wheeling Mister Westbrook out to go upstairs, and Romano yells at him for standing nearby and hovering. Says it's not your patient anymore. Go away. And he, this is where Lizzie. He says, "Yep, we're going to have a meeting with Anspa and Carrie at the end of the shift." And Pratt's like, on Thanksgiving? And Romano's like, yep, you bet. We're going to chat. Um, and then Romano asks Abby for something, and she runs to go give Lauren more blood. She's like, I got to go. I'm not here. I'm not part of this. I'm going to out. And uh, 
we see Morris discharging his glaucoma patient, and apparently he confiscated the weed from him because it's illegal. And um, we hear Sam on the phone with Alex reminding him to check his uh, sugar levels and just make sure he's doing okay. And Mr. Garland is still over there chilling and people watching. Somebody calls over to him. He's like, yep, I'm good. Great. Thanks. I'll be fine. And uh, Sam can't help but triage because she's got to do all the orders Luca just gave her. So she's swamped. And uh, Luca goes, oh, by the way, can you get some restraints for Mr. Garland? The hard kind that lock? And um, Sam's like, he's like a kitten. He's fine. He's a pussycat. Yeah, he's a pussycat. And Luca's like, nope, he, he needs restraints. I guess. And hey, look who's back from the Shadow Realm. One, Dr. Dr. Tiberius Coburn. I was waiting for it. <laughs> we, do, we do have a first name for Coburn. I know, Janet. Her, her Janet, first name's yes. Janet, I'm pretty sure. Janet Tiberius, Janet Tiberius Coburn. Coburn. Uh, she's consulting on Lauren and what they need to do, and she's going over the, like, you know, hey, we need your consent to do exploratory surgery and possibly a hysterectomy when, and then Lauren freaks out because Abby set her up with some false expectations hmm Hmm. abby maybe don't do that um and abby pulls her aside to ask why they would do that instead of trying trying to save her uterus and romano just pops in and says let me sell this cat fight abby you're wrong yeah i love that they they pull aside into the other trauma room where it looks like romano's like charting or something and Mm -hmm. he just eavesdrops like nope fuck it you're Two, two things about this. One, shout out to Matty Schultz uh, for slow poking his way through the Tiberius meme. It only, only took him like two and a half years to realize that that everybody's middle name is Tiberius. Uh, Wait, what? But, did you not see that post in the Facebook no, group from no, Matty Schultz? I where I, he, I'm going to he, look. He, he was like, I just realized after like two years that Daniel uses the, the name Tiberius as everyone's middle name. And I definitely thought Mark's middle name was Tiberius for real this whole time. Oh my god, I'm looking at it. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Maddie. Uh, and then uh, secondly, I do love that one of the gifts that this episode gives us is it sort of lays the groundwork for uh, the underrated background friendship slash partnership slash, you know, symbiotic relationship that is uh, Coburn and Abby. Like, Coburn and Abby becomes a thing mm-hmm. later on. She becomes Abby's sponsor. And, you know, it's just, it, it's a cool little, like, it's one of those cool little background wrinkles that I, I love so much about the fabric of this show. Um, and this is kind of the, a little bit of the genesis of it, this episode right here. Uh, but, but we go from there to uh, Morris working on a patient with Susan. Uh, he was injured from playing touch football. And we see Chuck show up with uh, some flowers for Susan. And if, as we will recall, the last time we left Chuck and Susan, it was kind of lukewarm on Susan's part. She's kind of, she's kind of feeling like she had, she had, played the Chuck game and she was she was ready to move on to something else uh he asks her if she wants wants to come by for some late night pumpkin pie and offers to bring the whipped cream uh and Morris is in the background giving her the most extreme shit-eating grin very very excellent background work from uh Scott Grimes there um and I just like I love the so you know this is this is getting ahead of ourselves here towards the end of the episode but like this episode is so much better than it has any business being. And a big part of it is because of the job that Susan and like the energy that Susan and Chuck storyline brings to this episode. Like it's, it is usually the case with these episodes, these, these big kind of milestone monumental episodes. It is usually, um, 
a less than stellar episode that is propped up by a milestone uh, seminal kind of moment. Whereas this episode is kind of the reverse of that. This episode is that it's a really strong episode that is kind of hindered by the milestone moments. Like the fully the, disagree, but the, the the moment is kind of the thing that drags this episode down. If it drags it down for you at all, like the the episode itself, I think it actually works pretty darn well. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the Susan and Chuck through line. Uh, but we find out that Mr. Westbrook is being flown out uh, with Chuck. Uh, another doctor asks if he wants to come up to the roof with them to see them off. And we find out that Lauren's fiance is on the way to the ER. Abby's going to bring them up. And she's apparently also going to scrub in because she's still on her surgical rotation, question mark. I mean, they've never said she isn't. So I would I would assume that she has at least got privileges to stand in the room, even if she can't do anything. And the potluck line is open. Yay, everyone get your slightly used turduckins. Uh, Mr. Westbrook left his... Nothing really. Come on. <laughs> we're all turducken now. I hate you all. We're we're all turducken. You know, I... Lauren Lauren blew her turducken wad back in the, back in the last scene. Okay. Anyway, uh, Mr. Westbrook left his watch, and Romano tells someone to go run up, run it up to the pad, but only Neil is around, and Neil doesn't have any idea where the helipad is. Because why would a med student have ever really gone up to the helipad, Nate? Uh, Morris's patient comes back complaining that someone stole my someone stole my medication, uh, and then you transition over to Morris uh, rolling a joint outside. Hold a on. skill I've never been able to. I have I obviously I obviously have good dex decent dexterity, but I've never been able to like roll a cigarette or a joint or anything like that. That's Pre- just never a skill that I've been able to. Maybe it's like the fine dexterity I don't have very much, but like. I play video games a lot. Pre-rolls are the greatest invention in the history of yeah. marijuana technology. Like, just I could, you mean I could just buy it already made, rolled up? Sure. Fine. Take yeah. my money. And also vaporizers. I mean, yeah, if you're going to go the smoking route. You know. I was trying to come up with a funny thing, and I can't. You guys have ruined me. Uh, Weed. Luca asks Sam if it's okay that he's coming for dinner because Alex invited him. This still was really fucking weird. Uh, and they brought Mr. Garland up to just medical admit, and Luca puts the hard restraints on him and, like, to one of the, like, safety bars to keep him up there. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, no, I guess he's your problem now. Bye. Uh, and then Neela and Romano are taking the elevator up to the roof. I want to notice there is a Muzak cover of Free Fallen by Tom Petty in the elevator. Lizzie missed it, and I had to point it out. And once you hear it, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Which I I almost, like, I almost wish Uh, they didn't. I loved it. I thought it was great. Knowing what was coming, I appreciated it. But um, Romano looks out and has very clear visceral flashbacks to the accident. And Chuck is told not to go on the flight because there's already another flight nurse from the accepting hospital on the flight. So this is where we leave this. We, We don't know what's going on. That's only important. Because it will come into play in a minute. Daniel, you had a note on someone here? Yeah, there's a nurse with Neela, which I honestly couldn't tell you if she's here in this scene or if she's only just magically appearing in the the next scene when the thing happens. But I thought it was worth mentioning just strictly because it appears to be a a miraculous bit of fortune that she... Yep. This is... So, to to fast forward ever so slightly, this is the nurse who's going to finish the episode with a piece of helicopter blade in her spine. uh, And... She somehow apparently magically survives, even though that's mm-hmm. never like spelled out on screen this episode. Maybe it is in the next episode and I'm just forgetting about it. But like she, it's never explicitly said that the 
the woman who's standing there with Neela when the helicopter takes off lives. And yet, according to this, she does, because she's played by actress uh, Tane Kawasaki, who appears in stuff like Second and The Crossing, and she is making her first of three appearances as the same named character uh, through 2006. So she's okay. at least going to be with us for a little while. Not sure what miracle work she's doing that she's going to survive a helicopter blade through the spine, but here we are. With that being said, oh, Romano runs out to the ambulance bay to get some air after panicking, just like trying to get him sh- his shit together. We've all been there. And uh, he kind of watches everyone in slow motion and then sees Morris smoking around the corner. Uh, goes and yells at him, tells him to go sit and admit until he gets him later on in the shift to have a talk. Mm. Tells him to get the fuck inside. And while they're, while he's out in the, the bay... Uh, when he's seeing everybody walk around in slow motion and stuff. Um, there's a woman walking around, an older Hispanic woman, who we will find out his name is Reina. Uh, and she's played by actress Julia Vera, who appears in stuff like This Fool, The Old Ways, and Elena of Avalor. And she mm-hmm. is uh, 113 credits to her name, which I believe makes her the high watermark uh, actress for this episode. Uh, and they do they do a very good job of setting the table here for like what's about to happen. Like just you, you. I I feel like that's a very palpable sort of experience watching Romano basically have a panic attack over this mm-hmm. whole thing. Um, and I was surprised now that we're like, you know, on the doorstep of the moment. I was surprised to realize how little they, relatively little, in the the what has it been season and a half almost leading up to this moment. How relatively little they they foreshadow what's about to happen to him like i know that everybody always jokes about it being a very moby dick thing and like it's very like whatever but like there's really not that much romano helicopter stuff outside of the two moments like there's the Mm -hmm. the beginning of this whole ordeal and the very end of it but it's not like it's not as though he's haunted by helicopters and it's not as though he has this like overwhelming fear of going up to the helipad it literally has never come up before this episode so I just thought it was interesting. Like it's it's another one of those ways that our our brains lie to us when we're you know thinking about stuff or rewatching stuff from years prior. Like like I remembered there being much more like to this. Like much more like oh you know it was like he's being hunted by a helicopter you know kind of thing. Like <laughs> it was really not that much. Like uh, and then oh everyone oh some the some potentially award winning special effects. Uh, occur here people potentially award-winning it was 2003 uh, helico- okay <laughs> what it was 2003 okay we didn't know i any know better. i know the helicopter takes off neela and the nurse wave like yay bye like and then suddenly you see the wind thing on the helipad turn really suddenly which i need i forgot to look up like what exactly that does to a helicopter because I would never ride a helicopter because of shit like this, because they're basically basically giving the middle finger to the laws of physics. Uh, and, yeah. and they scare me. Uh, the strap... So yeah, suddenly the wind turns, the strap of the gurney gets caught in the elevator door, so the elevator door does not close, and then the helicopter like comes back down what you think might be a, a just to land again. Nope, it goes bonk all the the landing struts on the side just go up and it starts just spinning around 
starts going on its side and spitting shrapnel all over the roof, including into the nurse's back, including one of the blades into the nurse's back. Um, I'm assuming from the tail rotor because of the size of it. It but, had to have been. Um, but yeah, before spitting shrapnel all over the roof, before falling over, falling over the edge and... Ah, the poor ICU floor. The poor it blow. Uh, the helicopter blows up as it falls right where Luca and Sam are arguing on the ICU floor, and it falls right onto no Romano. <laughs> in one of the most iconic shots in the entire series, and what a lot of people point to as like, oh no, the later seasons suck. This. <laughs> just because i i don't know i love it i'm into it because it starts it starts the mass casualty portion of right. this episode and, and i love a good mass casualty and I wanna, episode i want to throw this out there er has been ridiculous since the fucking beginning goddamn jerry blew up the er with the bazooka <laughs> like yeah he fucking blew is, up the ambulance bay and part not, of the er this is not new no this it's, is not it's not and but i do think though that like because like the the helicopter like the the shots of the helicopter falling and exploding and falling off down onto the ambulance bay they look in varying degrees of like really bad to like kind of bad like there's mm-hmm. it, it depends on which shot you're looking at and like it's not like it's consistent throughout like there's certain shots where it's like ah yeah. oh, if i squint that doesn't look terrible but like i mean and to be fair it's out of focus when they're when the focus is just on romano's face as he's screaming mm-hmm. as it's about to fall on him so like it's not that bad there yeah i would argue actually the the first bit like when it's the uh when the elevator doors open and they just see like mm-hmm. i guess the scene prior to that that's really the really bad stuff where i'm yeah I'm that like, is. This that's really bad green screen oh this sucks like everything looks like it's in like some you know uh fictional depiction of heaven like it's it's like everything has this weird glow on it that i just that, that's from that early cgi era um but yeah like i this this is another one of those episodes and another one of those moments where it feels like we've been we this there's like a milestone thing like it feels like we've been waiting to do this episode since we started and i was very curious to see how my feelings about this moment and this episode would would evolve over time and my opinion going back to when i watched the first time was that i felt like this episode or this moment i should say specifically the moment got an unfair amount of criticism like that it was like people made too big of a deal out of it. And I feel like that's probably still true to some degree that people do make too big of a deal out of it. Um, But that I felt like it was kind of an appropriate ending for such a like cartoonish villain, like that he was such a like over the top wackety schmackety asshole that like, of course there was no other like, you're you're not going to have him go out in some tragic, like, He's got a terminal illness thing. You're not going to have him get, like, shot by someone. You're going to have it be something over-the-top cartoonish and villainous. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I do feel like you... I'm you, here for it. You have to consider their their available options. They weren't going to do the terminal illness thing because they just did that with the last bald guy. So they weren't going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, Lizzie that's, does not need the other of her bald right. boys to go through that. That is far too on the nose. Um, you know, I feel like... The other, I feel like the only other option that they ever considered, even, and I don't, I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but I feel like the only other option they would have considered would have been him killing himself, and 
And that, that be... feels like too dark and too dignified of a like ending for a character that again, like I said, his whole purpose his entire time on the show has been to inject that that, you know, Spice. spiciness and that 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 to be an agitator. Right, to to stir things up. And so that felt like too too dour, too, you know, whatever. And so like and and the and it would have felt like a disservice to the character to just let him fade away. Or you know? like, yeah, have him get fired or go to, like work somewhere else. Like, no, that's not going to work either. Right. My only problem with this is that I wish it had happened like closer to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like obviously we were on a hot, we were on a pretty good hot streak with good Romano content. Right. And so that's that's my thing is that I feel like if they were gonna do this, or if they had their hearts set on he's got to go like they're they're ready for this character to end they feel like they've told all the story they can tell and they're ready to move on from him then i guess with all those factors in play i don't hate this i do wish it was filmed differently and i wish it didn't look so strikingly 2003 like i really wish there was a little bit more practical effect work at at play here but i have to consider the limitations of technology and time and budget and all that stuff so like i can live with that but there is part of me after we've gone through, especially this last season and a half with him, that there is part of me that does feel like there was another season or two, if not more, to pull out of this character, and that we could have done an all-time great. Like I'm thinking, give, like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13 double turn. Like we could have done <laughs> where the first half of his time on the show, he is a complete and utter irredeemable asshole. And, like do a reverse Breaking Bad, like the the beginning of the show, you hate this character with such an intense, fiery passion that you cannot articulate how much you hate him. That by the end of the show, you are heartbroken that he, something has happened to him, or that you know he doesn't get a happy ending. I think that could have just been a masterclass of storytelling and a masterclass of of writing. That I feel like they're they're pulling the plug on far too early with this. Like I, I just. So, you know, I guess where I land on it is, like, is the moment silly? A little. And a lot of that, but a lot of that can be chalked up to the technology of the time. The spirit of the moment, I don't really disagree with because they're not left with a ton of good options. Like, there, there's not, there wasn't a much better way to write off Romano. You kind of had to do it this way. Um, nothing else would have felt satisfactory. I just wish it looked a little bit better. And I do really love the one thing about this that I do really love is the thread for the rest of the episode that no one notices. It's like it's, that, Yes. Because that is the thing that, that was such a consistent character trait with him all throughout is that he was someone who could not be ignored. Like he was a, he was a problem that could not be ignored. He was always around, always making noise, always in your face until he was gone. And then it was like, no one noticed and I just I, I so th- it's all the the it's all the dressing around the moment I I really really enjoy mm-hmm. and I I really really like this I said it to Lauren as you know as I was doing my notes I texted I was like is it just me or is this episode way better than I remember it being and she was like no I felt the exact same way she's like I went in fully expecting that like this is gonna be kind of kind of a dumpster fire and it got so much better yeah no like we did a fun watch before everything went to shit. And then we came back and did actual notes, and I'm so glad we did the fun watch because when it came time to do notes, I was like, wait, I'm actually looking forward to this because we know it's a good episode. Yeah. One one little thing I noticed here, and I don't know if Lizzie touched on it um, before we got went off on our tirade or not, but uh, I note here that uh, because of Romano, we get to keep Morris. 
If he hadn't told Morris to go the fucking side, Morris may have been really hurt. We might have lost out on Morris. Butterfly effect. Think about it. <laughs> but uh, but so many so many things to potentially do here. Yeah. As as if you needed any confirmation, though, this is of course the last time we will be seeing Romano, with the exception, of course, of his brief cameo in season fifteen during one of my favorite episodes from that season. Uh, where, as he put it when we interviewed Paul McCrane, yeah, remember when he came back older and fatter? <laughs> oh, oh, season fifteen. Uh, There's so much. To, there'll be so much to say about that then. I love, I love season fifteen. I think it gets a bad rap. Uh, but in any event, uh, we go now into the so now now that we've dropped a helicopter on a man, now we can get into the mass casualty side of things. Now that now that the penny is dropped, right? Hooray! Uh, Pratt jumps into action to run point and get everybody organized. Tells Tria uh, tells Tria tells Neela to go work triage. Uh, Abby gives her a walkthrough on how the emergency boxes work, uh, and then we see Susan, who's getting the news that the chopper has crashed, and she immediately panics. Um, and it's again like the Susan and Chuck through line in this episode is a really like powerful underrated one like it is I I remembered a little bit of this but like I didn't remember it being on the level emotion wise of like for me this was on the same level of like Benton after the stabbing kind of levels of emotional buy-in for me as a viewer like I was I was a hundred percent there into it um, we find out Frank has closed them to uh, incoming traumas while this is all going on and uh, Abby is giving Neela kind of the rundown on what to do with each triage category and she's like for green do this for re- yellow do this for red do this and then she goes what about black and she goes cover them with a sheet because if you'll remember from an early mass casualty episode I think it might have been Blizzard uh the the black the the black code coded patients are your dead patients so uh susan runs out sees the crash site out in the ambulance bay and is understandably horrified as you might imagine uh we find out nobody's been pulled out of the wreck yet susan is uh crying as she works through patients with abby uh and mr garland is trapped up on the medical floor with sam and luca because luca's an idiot and locked him to the bar upstairs with the uh hard restraints oh god damn it luke which it feels very like there much should've... go ahead it feels like there should have been more consequences for this for luke <laughs> like this was a really dumb stunt by my him. my stupid fucking brain went like yeah when jack's handcuffed to the thing in titanic why am i like this it's why, exactly why? what it is that's exactly, that's exactly it, it. Yep. it's absolutely a one-to-one comparison guys i am Le- done leonardo dicaprio and this guy rain or shine rain or shine rain or shine and leo dicaprio one and the same they, this is the same picture. Give them both. Give them both Emmys. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. Even though one was a movie, uh, but we go from there uh, back down to the ambulance bay where we find out they've got four for the coroner being brought from the chopper, according to one of the firefighters out on the scene. Yikes! Oy. Uh Luca and Sam are working on patients fucked up by the explosions upstairs, and Carrie comes in and asks if everyone's okay downstairs. Uh, Susan says she doesn't know where Luca and Romano are, and Susan says, oh yeah, Chuck was on the chopper. Oh no, oh no. Uh, Morris is still sitting at Admit, watching everything happen. Oh, Scott Grimes. Just doing what he's told. Uh, and then, surprise, surprise, from the Shadow Realm, we also see Anspaw has come down to help, and... He says happy Thanksgiving to Weaver, and it sounds like he's been roped in uh, for the emergency for the holiday as well. And 
Chuck comes out from the elevator yelling for help where nobody thought he'd be. And Susan and Coop are working on a patient. And Coop points over and says, I thought he was dead about Chuck. Susan looks up and is like, oh my god. They run over and have a very big hug. And it's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, wouldn't you run up to see, run up and hug Donald Logue if you saw him? Yeah, I would. But uh, she's like, I thought you were on the helicopter. He's like, well, I was supposed to be, but that bitch from wherever wouldn't let me get on. She had to take him herself. And Susan goes, that bitch saved your life. (laughs) Yep. Line of the episode. Uh, And then he mentions, like, oh, I got a little scratch on my back, but that's it. Mm. Um, and it's just such a like uh, such a cathartic moment like yes it's so good me, the music like martin's killing it like the music is so good like it's just it, like i said it's up there for me which i didn't remember it being but it is up there for me with like benton after the stabbing like it is yeah totally um, a total emotional buy-in from the audience yeah pluck at your heartstrings but then uh we see luca and sam still working on a patient who's aspirated and sam needs to call her neighbor because now she's really going to be home late uh, Carrie and Gallant are working on the German man who cut his hand earlier. That's the other thing. There's this random German couple who's in here, like, throughout the episode. Um, fine, great, whatever. And uh, Pratt is working on someone who threw a clot, and Carrie yells at him to wait for the uh, vascular team and the OR, and he goes ahead to try and fix it downstairs anywhere. Anyway, so this will be fine. Totally fine. This has never gone wrong. See, but actually, it will be okay. So, spoilers. Uh, Chuck is starting to hack and wheeze as they work on patient. or no. No, Coop is. This is Coop. No, Chuck. Chuck is wheezing from the smoke and everything. Chuck is coughing and stuff as they're working. Uh, and then Chuck start, is starting to hack and wheeze as they work on patients. And uh, Daniel had a note here. I did. It, it, totally one of those like things that you only start noticing when you've been doing this as long as we have. And you ha- are so intimately familiar with details that you shouldn't be like on a level that is just wrong. Uh, but like, so at thirty forty five timestamp, which I'm not even sure if that's exactly where this is. I kind of usually rely on the the clips to let me know where I'm at in the episode to kind of like pinpoint in the notes where shit should go. This is just my best guess that this is this mm-hmm. scene where this happens. But around thirty forty five, uh, there's like a, a pan over shot where we see Chuck standing over a, a patient, and uh, you see a black guy in like a orderly. Uh, outfit uh, that kind of grabs like you know test kit or something and then like steps out of frame Uh, that is uh, a guy by the name of Richie Parker who is Pratt's stunt double uh, in the show uh, and a guy that we follow on Instagram and I have like chatted back and forth with through DMs once or twice and is just a really nice guy so like it was just the first time I've actually seen him like pop up on the show like on camera and so I was like hey it's Richie he's a nice guy so that's it. I just, you know, felt like that was worth and, mentioning. And the fact that you recognize that man. Amen. He's like, he is like Mackay Pfeiffer's stunt double. Like if Mackay Pfeiffer's in a movie or TV show, Richie Parker is his stunt double. Like they are like best friends, those two. So like they're, they're connected through uh, a, a multitude of projects, not just. So, so very much once upon a time in Hollywood energy with. Um... Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit of the, the, the Brad Pitt, Leo DiCaprio thing there. Uh, but Coop has a little bit has a has a fun comedy bit as he inhales some helium as they work on patients, just like you're 
her blood pressure couldn't take it or I, something like that. I will have you know that as I was watching this episode to do notes, I'm marking with timestamps every time I see Coop because I know that Coop gets bobbed this episode. And so every it. single time I'm I see Coop appear on screen, I'm writing in my notes, Coop 2948. Like I'm just marking to see when the last time he shows up. And there was part of me that goes, are they going to have this man suck on helium? and do a helium joke, and then never see him again? Is that what's about to happen? <laughs> Fortunately, no. But it's honestly not that much better. Yeah. Uh, but Chuck collapses by Abby and Neela, and it turns out his back is covered in blood. Uh, Neela runs to the trauma room to beg, beg to get a doctor over here. Get an adult. <laughs> we need an adult. Uh, Pratt is, Go back over. Pratt is working on getting the stent in his clot patient, which if I remember correctly, I think... It might have got lost in the chaos, but I think his clot patient is the wife of the German man. Uh, no, this is a black it's dude. Not, yeah, a big black dude. Okay, never mind then. Because I know there's a, we do we do get the wife of the, the German patient, and she does end up throwing a clot and dying. So, like, yeah. but in it any event. not this. Uh, we then see Susan uh, seeing Neela running down the hall wheeling an ultrasound. Find out Chuck needs intubation, and Abby has to do it because Neela and Lester don't really know how. And as they're going to tube him, he pukes all over the place. Shout out to props. Uh, she Ugh. she gets suction and then tries again and has Lester hold Chuck's cords in place for the intubation. Uh, we find out he has a spleen perforation, and she's going to do a central line with no attending. And I fucking love how like hard we are going in on the... like. Abby can fucking do this timeline. Like we're we're we are firmly into Abby's bad bitch era. As like she's as, got the street smarts to do the job, right? Like maybe not the book smarts all the time. She doesn't test well. And but. and I, you know I'm I, I'm gonna keep going back to this. Like it is so, what a gift it is from Paul McCrane that his his role on the show this whole time, like we said, is to be an agitator, to bring spice, to like add a little variety to the soup. And what a gift it is for him in his big moment in his final episode to be able to, like, spread that wealth across so many different, you know, plants and, like, grow so many different things. Like, we see, you know, growth from Pratt. We see growth from Abby. We see growth, uh, you know, even from Susan, you know, who has been kind of largely forgotten about. Like, there's just so much that is so much that is being given not necessarily from him directly but just like through this this episode that could be very well it could have very easily been just dominated by this one big moment i just think that's really cool uh, but we then see luca packing a guy's guts back in and pa <laughs> passing him off to anspa uh it's 5 a.m. Uh, or no, I'm sorry. It's 5 uh, p.m. Sam still isn't home. Remember, she's supposed to be going home to uh, cook Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and <laughs> Mr. Garland, with what what a great through line patient Mr. Garland is. I liked it better downstairs. Only had pneumonia downstairs. <laughs> great line, Mr. MVP Garland. of the episode, ne Mr. Garland. Never change, Mr. Garland. Yeah, especially your name. Uh, Carrie sees Pratt doing the stent since vascular never came down, and she chides him for it, but uh, the patient has motor function now, and blood flow has been restored to the brain. So, yay. Score one for Pratt and the radiologist. I wish it was Steve. Uh, Neela runs in and asks for a doctor still, and Susan is shocked when she hears it's Chuck, and she walks in and is like, he's intubated with a central line. Who did this? <laughs> and then, of course, Abby was like, sign here, and we'll say you did. Such a great line read. 
Such a great line read. And then Lizzie takes him upstairs with Susan. And Daniel? Yes. So uh, during the moments leading up to this, so when Neela runs in and asks for a doctor, um, I believe this patient that Susan is working on, if I'm remembering correctly, the patient that Susan is like pounding away on is the pregnant woman from earlier in the episode. It's definitely a woman, but I can't that remember exactly. That might be exactly. the German woman. I don't remember. It's definitely, Either I don't, I, yeah, she's, so she's, she's pounding away on doing chest compressions and joining her uh, on this patient is Coop. And so Coop is just kind of over her shoulder. And so when Neela comes in and says, hey, you know, Chuck is intubated and they're doing this other shit, you know, whatever. And they leave that moment. We also leave Coop behind in the shadow realm. We will never see Coop again. Uh, and what a we what a weird, wonderful journey it has been over eight episodes with Coop, like a character that they clearly had at the beginning much bigger plans for. And I don't know. I would love to know the the E True Hollywood story on it. I would love to know if this was just like Glenn Howerton had an opportunity he couldn't pass up or if they thought for some reason it wasn't working out. What made them pivot to essentially take the substance of two characters and just mush them into one with Morris because again it's felt like over these last eight episodes it has really felt like they are they're prepping the audience for Coop is going to be your new cowboy going forward and Morris is just going to fade away into the background and nothing could be further from the truth so I would really be interested to know like what the real deal story is behind that of like why why they had to do such an abrupt about face on this yep uh and then we go back to kind of the lobby area and Neela says, is it over uh, once they have a moment of calm? And uh, Susan hears Chuck is doing well and the ER is back open to trauma. She goes, too bad it takes a disaster to whip this place into shape. And uh, Coburn tells Abby that Lauren is stable, but she did have to have the hysterectomy. And uh, Sam passes all her stuff over to Abby and Alex runs in and asks if those are body bags in the ambulance bay. Because of course he does. And uh, Alex asks Luca if he's still coming to dinner. Told you this was his friend. Yeah, you did. You did call that entirely. So, shout out to you for. If there's for anything I remember, it's a shitty fucking kid. <laughs> All right, that's ten eight, Alex. <laughs> Alex with an exclamation point. A gr- an exclamation point just, is gross. I, I'm struggling. <laughs> Carry on. All right. Uh, let's go to our second and last audio clip here. Ant Spa is having a little meeting with that little meeting with Pratt. Are you ready? Yeah, last stitch. Where is Romano? I haven't seen him, but I need to get this guy up. Let the nurses handle it. Come on. Why, in God's name, would he insist on meeting tonight? I really couldn't say. Time for our little sit down, Carrie. I'm a little tied up in here. Where is Robert? I thought he was up in the OR with you. Well, I thought he was down here with you. Just fill me in later. Come along, Dr. Pratt. Best if we deal with this right now. Romano sent me a file of your disciplinary letters. Yeah, sometimes we don't see eye to eye on things. Well, there's enough documentation here to merit a suspension, I guarantee you that. Offending patients, contradicting consultants, refusing to comply with attending's treatment plans. You care to respond? Look, I may have been out of line. Maybe oh, once or twice. Excuse me? I don't give any credence to these allegations. If any of this were true, I would get complaints from other attendings, and obviously Robert doesn't care enough about this to even show up. I saw you in action today. You're an excellent physician. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Give this to Romano when you see him. Love it. Love us some good anspa. When you see him at his funeral. Oh, got him. <laughs> With a helicopter. Oh. <laughs> what, too soon? <laughs> too soon. 20 <sighs> years too soon. Oh, Pratt. He lives, lives to see another day, though. I love it. There's no credence to these allegations. Just such a good phrase. It is a good phrase. Love that John Aylward. Yeah. Love that man. Yeah. All right, P. Uh, and then we go over to see Alex, uh, Sam, and Luca at Ike's. Uh, Which Sherwood's... they say is across the street. Right. I know. That's the, oh, shit, I forgot we got rid of Docs. So they changed yep. it really quickly to Ike's. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, no, Ike's has been has come into play before. But not. But no? Mm, I don't think I don't so. mentioned it. So. Listeners, tell us if we're wrong, but we're two for one saying we don't think Ike's has existed yeah. before this moment. Again, maybe I'm just misremembering because it all sort of blends together. Lord yeah. knows I do it enough. It defi- To me, like the, the, the short nature of the, like the, the little tiny name with the, you know, like somebody's place and the fact that they say it's right across the street leads me to believe that when Joe Sachs wrote this episode, he wrote this as docs and then somebody continuity police was like, Oh, by the way, I know you haven't written an episode in a while, but we burned docs that down. Is gone. <laughs> we burned that down last season. So you got to change this. That to bitch something is gone. Else. Right. Like that's what that feels like. But, uh, good, good thought. But yeah, so they are Ugh. at air quotes, Ike's and, uh, we get a little bit of, Super awkward conversation between the three of them here. Alex tries to light a little figurine on fire as payback, whatever that means, which I love already that <laughs> they we're starting this thread with Alex that uh, he's a little fucking pyro. Like, that's, but weren't that's we all at an, that age a little bit? Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely was. We used to pool our money and send one kid over to the fucking uh, grocery store to get uh, – little travel size hairspray bottles and lighters yep. and we would we would play yep. the world the world's worst game of tag. Yep. <laughs> that was my fr- that was my guy friends. I never did that, but like I absolutely loved building little like little fires as a kid in safe spaces, but yeah, I yeah, we all oh, yeah. we all went through it. We but, all had a little bit of that. But the fact that uh so he does this and Sam's like what is this payback? Like what the fuck kind of dynamic is that? And it only gets worse. Right, it only gets worse. Uh, <laughs> she does make a solid point here where she says you shouldn't have friends who are over 30. Uh, I mean, you her, shouldn't have friends who are over 13 at this point. Right. To her, what? We're going to say nine-year-old? Probably. Ten, I think he's in double digits. Yeah. So. But, like, def- definitely shouldn't have friends that are over 30. Uh, and, and, and keep in mind, while this is going on, Luca has excused himself to the restroom. Yes, Luca has gone off to the restroom, and clearly Alex is, like, making moves towards trying to, to set luca and his mom up here and she says i would rather not be going out uh with someone right now anyway and alex replies well he's my friend not yours and i so i hate i up. hate everything about this dynamic really? all th- so all three up. angles of this dynamic are bad and upsetting and i don't want anything to do with it uh like but- i understand they may have been trying to go for like oh look how close sam and alex are that they talk about this stuff and since it's been the two of them like look at this but it just to me it just comes across as yeah it's so like again i go back to when sam was introduced like i get what they are going for with this character i just think it's a bad match with linda cartellini as an actress like i i just it, it doesn't it doesn't work for me like it just doesn't work for me and her and this kid have no chemistry like 
they don't I they're not believable to me and I just eh, it doesn't and I don't remember it getting any better with Alex 2.0 either like so I don't know at least Alex 2.0's voice is much less annoying I don't is as I've I've blocked it out I don't even remember what his voice sounds like I just remember that he's like a little bit more like Damien-ish like he's a little bit, he's <laughs> yeah. a little he's a little bit more evil looking uh yeah but we'll get there when we get there uh Abby's doing her, her nursing rounds now that she's on her nurse shift but everyone's still asking her doctor questions and she's like what the fuck like I was here as a doctor all day now I'm a nurse you want to ask doctor questions uh we get to hear Frank say the word jag off which uh, I kind of wish that I had left this one for Lauren to read because I kind of want to hear Lauren say jag off Jag off. There it is. Add there it to the go. soundboard. Jag off. Uh, that one was just for free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this podcast is free. <laughs> Unless you subscribe at patreon.com slash podcast. Uh, we uh, find out that the pictures from the disposable camera from the beginning of the episode were developed. Uh, which is this? Is it here where we get the little, uh, the little yeah. like, oh, this yeah. one has Dr. Green in it. And... Like you said, Lauren, they don't lean on it. They don't make a big deal out of it. I guess as a cute little like moment, it's fine. Uh, so I- I'm happy with it. I'll I'll go with it. Uh, Pratt tells Morris his shift is over and that he should go home. And then I forget who asks uh, Abby this, as Abby is like clearing off patients off the board. Um, but somebody asks her, "Does uh?" I think it's like Chuni. Yeah, or something. she they're they're going through the I think that's what it is. I think you're right. It's Chuni. Chuni's going through the old pictures, and one of them has Carter in it. And yeah. she asks, "Does anybody ever hear from Carter? How's he doing?" And uh, Abby replies, "I don't know." As we yeah. fade into the world's just most jarring, like like Jason Voorhees, he's still alive kind of like <laughs> transition. <laughs> it's so. Uh, I, I mean, I've made no bones about my my assertion over the last however many episodes it's been that Carter's been gone, that we kind of, society had progressed past the need for Carter. Like, I wasn't missing him. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't sitting there at all times going like, I wonder what Carter's doing and why isn't, at, at all times, if Carter's not on screen, the other characters should be going, where's Carter? Like, I just, it wasn't in my periphery and I felt like the show actually was... It was a change for the it better. It was hitting a stride. It was hitting a stride. However, reintroducing Carter also reintroduces one of my, uh, one of my favorite act- TV actors. Yeah, so you want to talk about a fucking discourse that I'm not ready for. <laughs> like, you want to talk about a fucking, like, shit that I'm not, I'm much too tired to litigate. Uh, we flash over to Carter and a mystery woman curled up in bed with candles. I should also point out that Carter has grown what the fandom has deemed the superior version of his beard. Because uh, if you'll recall back in season, what was that, five, he had the real kind of weird patchy beard that he came back from the season break with. Uh, and, and they ripped uh, it off with glue. And they ripped it off with glue. Well, now he's got the what, what most fan, most in the fandom would agree is the superior version of the beard. Uh, Carter Beard 2.0. He's joined by a mystery woman who we will later come to find out is Kem, the uh, m- uh, his baby mama, for better or worse, I guess. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I uh, it's boy, talk about a complex fucking character arc that we're gonna have to dig into here. Uh, but uh, Kem is played by actress Tandaway Newton, 
who at the time was credited as Tandy Newton. Uh, no, that is her name. I know. I'm, okay. No, sorry. no, 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 no. Her name is sorry. her name is Tandyway Newton. At okay. the time, she was credited as Tandy Newton because, according to the from the woman herself, she went to a casting call and the casting director couldn't be bothered to learn how to spell her name correctly, so he just wrote it down as Tandy, and she got credited as that for about twenty years. So her name is Tandyway Newton, but she was been, she's been credited for twenty years as Tandy Newton incorrectly. Today I learned. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So Tandyway Newton, who appears in stuff like Crash, Westworld, and Mission Impossible 2, and she's making her first of 14 appearances, 14 very divisive appearances, I should point out, through 2009. Like, you think Sam is a divisive character? Mention the name Kem in a fucking ER Facebook group and, and ruin the rest of your day. Uh, I, like, and this is, this is a, I want to I wanna plant the flag right now. Like, I feel confident in saying we're a pro-Kem uh, podcast like we are we're gonna have very little if any substantive criticism of Kim as a character like I think Kim ultimately was a positive addition to both Carter and the fabric of the show um, but I will say that if if leaving Carter in Africa and never revisiting that storyline except for him coming back in season 15 to make his cameos and wave would have spared us the 20 plus years of discourse since about whether Kim was just selfish and awful and terrible and undeserving of Carter in every way I would hunt like sorry Tandyway Newton I will fucking take it like I I will take that trade in a heartbeat if I don't have to hear about shitty people in Facebook groups being like actually I have an original thought I think Kem sucked I've read this thread six times just today like <laughs> it's okay like <laughs> if there's any discourse that I am too tired for in this the year of our lord 2023 it's fucking whether or not chem sucks discord I'm tired of it like I just can't I cannot I can't I can't right now oh uh, I'm not ready I'm so I'm, I'm not ready at all but it's it's gonna be what's gonna be um, but then Susan comes in to check on Chuck and gives him a tiny smooch to wake him up. And he goes, I should fake my death more often. I knew that we'd end up together tonight, which is very sweet. And they're just cute, flirty idiots. And I appreciate them and everything is great with them. Yay. I cannot wait for him to be nursing their baby. <laughs> oh, God, I always forget about that. I never forget about it. Every time somebody says Chuck, that's immediately what I think of. Um, and we end the episode with Abby and Neela bonding over how intense the day was, and Abby gives her an extra coffee from the coffee club, as we see the helicopter being lifted up in the bay, and we zoom out. I wish there were, I wish there would have been, at least in, like, the outline of something. Or, like, the armor. Yeah, Yeah. they do sort of linger on it, which I think is, I think is the appropriate way to do it, because I don't think that, obviously you can't show it for real. Like, you can't. They can't. That's just. That's just. He's just blood and viscera. Right. That's just. That's just doing too much. And I feel like the arm would have been a little hokey. Like I feel like the arm would have just been a little too on the nose and a little too Bugs Bunny for my liking. So like I feel like just letting the camera linger a little bit on the the chopper being lifted up, and and ending the episode at a point where still no one knows what really has happened here Mm -hmm. except for us. Like the audience is the only keeper of this little secret here. Um, I mean, I go back to what I said at the top of the ep- or towards the top of the episode. Like, I feel like most of the time with these, you know, big moment type episodes where a big thing happens, it tends to overshadow the episode itself, and the episode itself suffers because of it. Uh, 
but the moment itself ends up being good. I'm thinking something along the lines of like uh, Carol's exit with with the Clooney cameo. You know, it's like the episode itself isn't terribly memorable, but the moment is good, and like you know, just things like that. So like this, I do feel like is a little bit of the reverse, where the episode is really actually very strong, and I really like the episode itself, and I like what the episode does. And it's the big moment that we're all here for that I feel like is what is the kind of takeaway. And I, and I, like I said, when we talked about the moment itself, so much of that is rooted in the technology and the fact that the it's beholden to this period of time where we were doing everything with CGI and nothing was done practically and everything had to be on the shiny new toy. And it just looks bad now. And it so like that, that really detracts from it for me. Um, but also at the same time, like I like I mentioned, I don't know that there is a a better ending for this character that would have felt satisfactory if you weren't going to see it all the way through and really do a redemption arc for Romano. Then I guess this is the best option. Yeah. Again, I will restate. I just wish it was later. You make uh, Daniel uh, once once again for the millionth time on this podcast has taken all <laughs> of the good points that, <laughs> that I wanted to make out of my mouth. Not in my brain. No, it's okay. I'm, I'm barely here tonight. It's fine. Um, but yeah, just just give us a give us some more. Yeah, I just it was it was never going to be enough. But Romano, but and just real realizing just how good his stuff was in season nine and ten. Right. I was after, fully expecting all that sh- all that stuff to suck. I was fully expecting us to be like, like yearning for this helicopter to come along and crush him just to we just to like put the character out of its misery and it's been the complete opposite where i am like no 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 more give me more like i, I don't love i oh, i've been dreading no, going? i've been dreading this episode because it's like the the best stuff with this character has been in the last season but yeah uh overall the episode is absolutely fantastic fantastic music got a great mass casualty situation chuck doesn't die yay uh which is always nice, so we can see him nursing <laughs> later on. And then <laughs> I, I also, I'm sorry that image that image is in fact burned into my head of just Donald Logue with wearing that apparatus. <laughs> I, I think we have a tendency to let this happen to ourselves a little bit too when we've interviewed a person who's leaving the show. That there we we've sort of talked about the feelings that they had and what their emotions were at the time. Like, and for some people, you know, like I'm thinking when we get to Carrie, like Laura Innes made it pretty clear that she felt like she was done. Like she felt like she had set her piece. She felt like she had done everything she wanted to do with that character and was ready to move on with her life was ready to like, she had put, it was supposed to be a four, three or four episode guest arc. And she had turned it into like 10 plus years on the show. Like she was ready to move on. And I think there is a little bit of the, the feeling with Paul McCrane based on what he said that like he, he felt like there was more that he wanted to do with this character and he wasn't quite ready to give up Romano and he wasn't quite ready to, to say goodbye to that character. And so I feel like maybe that is coloring my perception of it a little bit, knowing that like he wasn't ready to say enough is enough with Romano. So, you know, I, I just, uh, it's kind of human nature. Like we've, when we've talked to some of these people themselves and how they felt about it, like it colors your perception of how these endings work out. But uh, yeah, 10 out of 10 episode one in my top 10 maybe top five favorite episodes of the entire series um just a great comfort rewatch episode for all its ridiculousness and i miss my mom that's (laughs) i give it a nine 
just of course you do yeah i just that's where stabbing I'm at. me in the heart i i yep. would yeah i would even go like eight and a half for me like i just you know but again it's all like it's all wrapped up in the silliness of that moment like it's just it's objectively silly it is and i it's not wrong it's it's it, it's deserving of the character but like it's just I can see why people of a certain persuasion point to this moment as the moment when the show they knew and loved prior to this dies. Yeah. It might not be right, um, but I, I see yeah. it. But what did the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? All right, I'm probably going to tap out. And slash Daniel. I was going to say this. I'm not going to make it through these, but I will do my best. Uh, Heather R. says, I absolutely did not buy the bait and switch they tried to sell when they made it seem like Chuck was going to be on that helicopter. That bitch saved his life. But seeing Susan's reaction when she finally saw that he was alive was so raw and showed how much she really cared for him. Her husband is more than just a weird weekend in Vegas that I agree we should have gotten that episode, Daniel. Also, cheers to our girl Abby for being a kick-ass nurse and med student, especially saving the not-dead-but-bleeding Chuck. Leave it to Frank to poke the bear and send Romano up to the roof, essentially calling him a chicken. It seemed very like a Frank thing to say. Hey, free-falling music cue on the elevator. It's funny, because it is in the episode title, and also foreshadows, she deadpans. I'm trying to remember if we knew something like this was coming when it first aired. I want to say we probably knew some big disaster was coming, but not that Romano was going out that way. I kind of felt bad with the rest of the episode... I kind of felt bad the rest of the episode that nobody seemed to care where Romano went. But I suppose that's the foreshadowing of next episode, when people really don't care. <laughs> Morris choosing a mass, mass casualty moment as the time that he'll actually follow directions for once is kind of hilarious, but also a reminder of how much I just didn't like this version of Morris. Give me Archie in a couple of seasons. I can't wait until next episode, just so that we get the, the ultimate payoff to Romano's. That is the, that's the true like stamp on that character's time on the show, is the... Uh what we get next episode can't wait get your shirt now uh at simply swooning i can't decide if this episode is a masterclass in misdirection or just a hodgepodge because everything that's going on quickly becomes background once we get to the capital e event and unlike earlier plot threads of the season things that are happening will matter going forward like susan realizing how much she cares for chuck the beginnings of abby and neela abby finally starting to believe in herself and take charge and of course the kim intro but I don't think of any of that when I think of this episode. All I think about is they dropped a helicopter on Romano. As far as on-screen death goes, there's some very dark irony at work here. I can't des decide if he deserved to go out like that, but he certainly wasn't winning any personality contests that day. But I have to say Free Fall is a very apt title for the episode and this at this point in the season. Uh, at username 11 says, It's a shame this episode is only remembered for one thing because Hidden In Here is one of the best mass casualty episodes we've had in a minute. Have we ever had four traumas going on at once? Five if you count Luca in the ICU. And all in all, we should... And all in all, we solidify and or set in motion various through lines. And um, Abby's ability to shine when she's not in her own head. Susan having her share Horowitz I love Josh moment. I don't know what that means when it comes to Chuck. The Abby-Neela friendship. Pratt as the main go-to resident. And Neela getting and liking her first taste of trauma adrenaline. And not to be overlooked, but the music for the traumas was on point. Different than what we usually get, but still familiar. Uh, but, that all, but all that usually gets forgotten because of the thing. I really want to know how this was pitched in the writer's room. And then we drop a helicopter on him. In some ways, absurdist humor, but in other ways, way too wily e. coyote for what was once the king of all television. 
I still think the build-up was well-played and that you knew something was going to go wrong, but you didn't know how or what. The Muzak version of free-falling playing in the elevator was inspired. And 20-year-old CGI aside, the explosion reverberating into the ICU still looks cool. The other effects, not so much. By Romano, but to a greater extent, Paul McCrane, as I believe it was McCrane's portrayal that made Romano as tolerable, sometimes even likable, as he was. And there was still room for the producers to do more with the character, but this was certainly going in another direction. At least they didn't try to redeem him prior to knocking him off. He was 100% himself to the bitter end. One way or another, the show just wasn't the same without him. This is a very strange hospital. Indeed, random one-off patient. Indeed. That was Yeah, that was a good one-off line that I think we, we glossed we, over we towards the end there. But it's a very good... I also like Neela's line as she is coming back into the from the ambulance bay at the end of the episode where she's likening traumas to a, a roller coaster. A roller coaster, yeah. And like can't like there was something maybe I was just in exactly the right mood as I was watching this episode, but it was very poetic to me, like sort of as from a perspective of doing this, like doing mm-hmm. STT, like it was like it is sort of like a roller coaster and like we're not always all here for every episode and like we're not always all in the best of moods but like there is always something comforting and like looking forward to the next roller coaster like looking forward to the next big thing yeah like i'll say this lizzie and i are both fucking trash right now but it's still good to be here with daniel like (laughs) solid mess it's fine at Haley Lou Who, this episode is another touchstone episode for me. It's the one I really enjoy and come back to often. I really feel like it's well-rounded and feels like an old-school ER episode. I love where there's a bunch of stories to follow because you can kind of latch on to one or two and really focus your attention on them. For me, it's the Susan and Chuck arc. They play off each other so well, and you can see just how much she cares about him. Also, this being Romano's ending is both anticlimactic and sad like they couldn't think of a, a better way to send him off so they just closed their eyes and picked i hate it he deserved better and is it wrong of me to say i'm gonna miss him because i am anyways great episode and i'm so excited for the things to come and last but certainly not least at the full-time dad says i know this is where a lot of pundits say this is the moment er jumped the shark but i like to look at the moments before and after the crash it's one of the best episodes the show produced since mark's death trio in season eight mm. I love the lead up to the crash as we get some classic Thanksgiving ER, Frank's turducken, the Polaroids, and an excellent opening sequence, except for the dummy's eyes. Kind of scary, if I'm being frank. Lauren agrees. I think the standout section is that segment immediately following the commercial break after the crash. The pacing. I love that frenetic crisscrossing of all the docks in the hallways. And the score of that sequence right before Chuck emerges from the elevator was exquisite. Classic mass casualty ER. And we get some clarity on where the rest of the season is headed. The Abby-Neela partnership has its first big payoff. Abby emerges as a formidable leader in the ER. Pratt and Archie get uh, both get career reprieves. Susan finally realizes what she's got in Chuck, and he's so good in this episode, he hits every note. And we get that first glimpse of Carter and Beard 2.0 and Kim. And of course, we say goodbye to Romano and Bob the fuck out of Cooper. Apparently, he floated away with the Heliox. <laughs> Again, I get it. Offing Rocket with a helicopter and not even actually confirming he's dead does come across as almost vindictive, but given Romano's character, dare I say it kind of works? No? Guess that's my unpopular take for the season. Uh, yeah, if you would be so kind as to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, uh, we'd, we'd really appreciate that. I'll go back into the more traditional spiel next week, but... Yeah, I miss my mom, so I'm going to go have some feelings about it. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.